Hi, my name is Krithi. And my name is David, and this is Conversations Recorded. Where we pick a different topic each episode and just talk. I have been diagnosed with a mental illness. I have depression and anxiety. Um, I can't say how long I've had a mental illness for because I don't know. But I was diagnosed around a year ago. Yeah, um, I have not been diagnosed with a mental illness, but I probably have some sort of ADD or ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just to have a feeling, I think my dad definitely has something like that. So I probably do too, And based on my behavior and similarities with him. So... Who knows? I just haven't had someone tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I always struggled with anxiety. So I knew that I wanted to go to therapy because it was getting really hard to manage my life and also struggle with anxiety at the same time, just because anxiety takes a lot out of you and it can just be really exhausting to go through anxiety attacks and kind of fend off anxiety all the time. So I knew I wanted to go to therapy just to, one, have someone to talk to because I'm really bad at opening up to people about it, and two, to figure out the best way to cope with it for me and for my lifestyle. After going to therapy for a year or two, I think it was around a year, um, my therapist kind of saw me going further and further down and not really getting better. Right. Um, Well, I'd be better for a little bit and then I'd go back down. And she kind of was like, you need to be on medication. Like there's no, we've tried every other way around it. But Mm -hmm. I think at least, especially because this was senior year, the last quarter of senior year. So I was getting ready to move to a state that, you know, I didn't really know anyone and to kind of deal with all of these major life changes. So she was like, I think you really need to go to a psychiatrist and figure out what needs to be done medically to be able to handle what's coming next. And she had been telling me this for like a year prior or like for a Mm -hmm. couple months prior And I had just kind of been ignoring it and in denial about it. Also because taking medication for a mental illness is heavily stigmatized in my family. And so... Culturally, um, too, right? Yeah, yeah. But And there's just a lot of, like, phobia around it. There's a lot of misinformation. So my family was definitely like, oh, like, you can't be on medication. Like, what are Mm -hmm. you doing? And I was kind of just like, oh, like if I don't go on medication, I don't have to like deal with any of the backlash of going on medication. And I was just kind of like, oh, like I should really like just try to figure it out myself. And I'm sure I can. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I kind of, I think I saw it as like medication would mean I had given up and that I was too weak to handle it myself. Um, Which is weird because I wouldn't say that about anyone else. Like it's not like that's objectively not true. That's just a self-criticism of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I kind of just, my therapist, like, literally during a session, she made me book a psychiatrist appointment in front of her. Nice. Good move. (laughs) Because she's like, we can't 
do this anymore. I booked an appointment to see a psychiatrist and I did that and we talked and then he gave me the diagnosis and he said, you have mild to moderate depression with anxious distress, which I think is just depression and anxiety. And most people have depression, have anxiety as well. They kind of go together. Yeah. And he said that while I don't have to be on medication, he was like, he said that he is not the kind of doctor that would ever push medication on someone. He said that he's been on medication and he really prefers being on medication because it just helps him. And so he recommended it, but he is like, you're not so severe. You're, fun you're functioning. So it's not like you need it. But if you would like to try it and see if it improves your mental state and your ability to live life, then we can definitely give it a try and I can prescribe something for you. I said, okay, let's try it. So I did. I started going on medication. It's like the lowest possible dose, but it definitely mm -hmm. helps. And I can tell the difference between being on it and being off it. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm not saying that that's the case for everyone or that mm -hmm. everyone needs mm -hmm. to be on medication or anything like that. I think you really have to figure out for yourself. And my goal is to eventually not need medication anymore. But um, in order to get to that point, I need to be on medication right now. So I have the energy to make the lifestyle changes I need to make in order to eventually not be off medication. Right. Or eventually not be on medication. And so, yeah, that, I mean, it was hard to process initially, but it was mainly because I think I just like criticized myself a lot. And also if you grow up culturally with people not thinking mental illness exists and kind of everyone being like, oh, like just, stop worrying or you know don't be sad or you're just lonely like things like that which I know are meant to help but don't um you kind of like it's very easy to kind of shake it off as something just being wrong with you and like that's kind of how I felt for a very long time of my life was dealing with anxiety and kind of knowing that I wasn't reacting normally to situations and wishing that I didn't react the way I did and a lot of self-loathing and then I got on mm -hmm. medication I'm like oh like this is how people without mental illnesses function um <laughs> you're like and, huh this is like what it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah I, I think it's always tough getting the diagnosis. I think for me, I'm open about it because I've seen other people feel comfortable opening up to me because I'm open about it. And right. that's enough for me. Like if I can even help one person get the help they need or just give someone a resource to talk to, I think that in and of itself is important yeah, and I also kind of like I do lace it with a lot of humor as well <laughs> um because Which I think good. It, I not always um, <laughs> okay because I think it can also bring brevity to it no right right but I think the problem with humor is that it can also minimize and ah uh, okay when you minimize your own illness especially with something like mental illness that is already considered not a big deal or like consider something that doesn't exist by a lot of people 
lacing it with humor and minimizing the effects of it kind of does more harm than good sometimes because Mm -hmm. you're kind of feeding into the stigma a little bit. So I have to be careful about like acknowledging that it is a thing and that it does affect the way I live my life a lot and it does affect the way I perceive things and that I do have to put in a lot of effort to do certain things that other people would not need to put in the same amount of effort to do. Also, I have to understand that for some people, the only way to normalize it is to lace it with a sense of humor. Okay. So the angles you wanted to approach this was family, friends, and relationships. I'm pretty sure this is a well-known fact, right? Like mental illness is definitely viewed differently across cultures, um, and across the world, and even in between family members, if of the same culture, that might have differenting opinions. But from a cultural standpoint, typically, there's a lot of stigma I know associated with having a mental illness, especially people don't like to say that anyone that they love in their family has depression because of all this negative weight it carries with it. And so they're like, no, you don't have depression. Like you're, you're just, you know, sad or something and you'll, you'll learn to be happy and get over it kind of thing. And it's like, well, no, like this is a chronic thing. And it's a, you know, maybe a chemical imbalance thing that processing differently versus, you know, something else. It's just the, I feel that sometimes even the cultural itself influences how that mental illness develops or even forms in that individual what do you think? Yeah, there's a book. I think it's a series of two books. I think the first book is called The Treatment, but it kind of talks about this where it's a, it's called The Program. Yeah, the first book is a program. The second book is a treatment. And there are three books after that that I have not read. It's a five book series. But it basically talks about how the program is this thing where kids are tested for mental illnesses regularly and based on if they test positively for a mental illness they go into this treatment program where they take two pills and the first pill marks all of their negative thoughts and then the second pill erases all of their negative thoughts and everything associated with those negative thoughts and the stress of potentially being tested positively and having to go through that really terrifying program and like it kind of ends up stressing the kids out even more Mm -hmm. and then making more kids test positively because of the stress of not wanting to test positively (laughs) Um, so it contributes more and more (laughs) yeah yeah and that's mainly because you know it kind of begs the question of well would the elimination of bad experiences really eliminate a mental illness or like the possibility of a mental illness and and the resistance of dealing with emotions can kind of lead to an aggravation of those emotions like i noticed that when I started just accepting that there were going to be days where I was just going to be dealing with anxiety all day and everything would be hard to do and the day was just going to be difficult to get through. And when I just accepted it and just kind of took things as they came, that 
those days were a lot easier than the days when I had anxiety and kept trying to fight the anxiety. So it's better to accept than fight. And when you do accept it, how do you cope with it? I basically have priorities where it's like, okay, these are the things that I absolutely cannot drop the ball on. And I make sure I take care of those things. And I'm kind to myself if I can't do some of the other things. And it's basically just like, okay, I may not eat healthy today. Like I might not have the energy to cook. I might need to eat takeout. Fine. I will be kind on myself for making that decision today because I don't have the energy to be perfect. But yeah, that's kind of, I think it's a lot of like just accepting that my brain is a certain way and there are things I can do to help and make things easier, but I can't come at it with resistance. I have to accept that my body is going to react certain ways to things and all I can do is be cognizant and minimize the effects as much as possible and now that you know I've been diagnosed and I know the symptoms to look out for it's a lot easier to just be like oh like okay this is this is a symptom of something I know what the symptom is I know what I can do to help and we're good nice so you really took control of it rather than it taking control of you in a way um, I wouldn't say that that's always the case. I still have right, days. Right. But it's yeah. ma- more manageable, I guess, is what I was trying yeah. to say. Yeah. Huh. Well, another thing, too, it's very interesting how, like, even in recent history, you know, people would, if someone had, like, a mental form of mental illness went from uh, in their family, like a, an offspring or something, that family would kind of, like, suppress that person from, like, being in the public if it was, like, embarrassing to the family name or something like that, right? If I'm not mistaken. And now it's mental illness is being discussed more in the spotlight, however, more in the form of like when it comes to gun violence is more of a blame. Right. But like as it pertains to a sub, uh, subject in general, it's it's discussed on college campuses, um, amongst family members, amongst friends. Right. The people are much more um, I feel like we have we're listening more rather than labeling, um, even though inherently there are there's there's labeling but it's much more understanding rather than rejectory i don't know i feel like we're 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 heading in the right direction from say 50 years ago you know but like the cultural the cultural implications are going to be the hardest ones to burst a family family name thing normally comes to mind is like oh or uh just the tradition old way of thinking it's like not wanting to accept something like that you know in their and their family for whatever reason like what what when you say your family has trouble like what do you mean by that well they've gotten better but there is definitely a lot of i think there's now because i've been adamant about the fact that yes i have a mental illness yes i have to be on medication for it and kind of just putting myself first and knowing that and I'm fortunate enough to have a family who loves me and supports me and has been making an effort to understand where I'm coming from so I think it's gotten better but I do think a lot of times it's hard because you don't know when because I think there is I'm not a phrase it but it's kind of like if you don't know what the cause for the behavior is it's a little difficult or like what the cause of you know the personality or whatever is it's kind of hard to grasp and I think it's easier to write it off as like laziness or being sad or lonely or whatever 
So something that's, I think, a little more concrete and a little easier to comprehend than something as individual and as abstract as a mental illness. And also, mental illness, it's like, it's a terrifying term for a lot of people. And it's hard, like, no parent would want to have a child going through that. And I think, like, now my parents are like, your mental health comes first. And my parents have almost always been like that. But I think it's also kind of, like, if you're a child of immigrants, there is a sense of, well, we did so much and we got through so much. And, you know, we dealt with, like, all of these struggles, which were incredible struggles that I can't believe they went through. Right. So it's like, if we could handle that, then, yeah. um, Yeah. But it's, oh, like, if we could handle that and, you know, we didn't have mental illnesses or anything, then you're, you, you probably, like, how do you have a mental illness when, like, all, you know, you haven't dealt with a lot of the struggles that we've dealt with. So things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, like, you wouldn't say that about someone with a physical illness. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) So... And so like, uh, I have a broken, I have a broken bone. Like, you're like, come on, why don't you just heal up? Like, I, I got through it. You know, like you can do yeah. the same. <laughs> um, and that's like my therapist, because my, when my psychiatrist was like, oh, like, you know, your depression is very mild. Like, it's really not as severe as a lot of cases. So like, it is totally up to you if you decide to go on medication or not. And my therapist was like, if you had cancer, you wouldn't wait until stage four to treat it. You would try to get it at stage one. Right. And that's kind of how I explain it to people. And that's how I explain. That's a good way to explain it. I really like that analogy. Yeah. I mean, I know people who can't talk to their family about it because their families don't believe that mental illnesses exist. But the WHO came out with. World Health Organization. Yeah. Came out with a world or a press release in October of 2019 that said that one in four people in the world will be affected by mental or neurological disorders at some point in their lives. And around 450 million people currently suffer from such conditions, placing mental disorders among the leading causes of ill health and disability worldwide. Hmm. And I think... That says a lot. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why I wanted to talk about as loved ones... Like, how do we help or how do we be there for people in our lives who do have who do have mental illnesses? Um, and this press release is interesting because it also talks about how treatments are available for mental disorders, but nearly two thirds of people with a known mental disorder never seek help from a health professional because of stigma, right. discrimination and neglect and that has a lot to do with little, little to no understanding of mental illness. Right. It's they have they have a report about it, and yeah, it's basically just talking about how people really need to wake up to the fact that the frequency of mental illness is really only increasing. Yeah, over eighty percent of people with schizophrenia can be free of relapses at the end of one year of treatment with antipsychotic drugs combined with family intervention. Up to 60% of people with depression can recover with a proper combination of antidepressant drugs and psychotherapy. But yeah, so I think they're basically just urging governments to provide more in terms of mental health as well, which is, yeah, I think it is important if you have a loved one who has come out and said that they deal with a mental illness to not, to react, to 
I think the best thing to do initially is to just listen right. and I agree. just be like, oh, like, okay, what can I do? And, you know, what help are you planning to seek or do you already seek? And but what treatment are you, would you want to try if you want to try treatment and kind of, and ask questions. Like I'm always open to people asking me questions, even if they can be kind of ignorant questions, Mm -hmm. just because I'd rather them ask me than someone else who might not react as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But because I think you need to have a safe space where people can ask questions. And as long as you're willing to learn, I'm sure someone would be willing to explain their experiences. But again, to be very clear, everyone deals with mental illnesses differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So just you can't go off of one person's experiences. Anytime someone comes to you, you can't make assumptions. You really have to just listen to them and let them kind of lead the conversation and just let them know that they are loved and they are supported however they decide to handle it. So would that be the advice you'd give for like a parent to a child? Like let the child say what they need to say and the parent express love and listen and support in any way rather than I'm guessing common traps are, oh, you're fine. You don't have it. Like we don't need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And acknowledge that, you know, you're not an expert. Right. Um, I, I, I know friends who, like, when they found out about the diagnosis, they started reading more and learning more because Good. they realized that it wasn't just me, but, like, other loved ones they had were dealing with mental illnesses. And they're like, oh, wow, I, like, really need to educate myself so that I know how to better be there for the people I care about who deal That's with awesome. it. That's awesome. Those are some good friends then. And then how would it differ for a friend versus Um, a parent? Well, I think I definitely had friends who were against me going on medication and made it very clear that they were against me going on medication. But we were willing to talk about it. And I, by that point, had already had the plan of, I do have plans to be off medication eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know when, but I am, that is something that I want to work towards And I think when they realized that I was, it wasn't a decision that I was taking lightly and that it was something that I had done my research on and that I just said, like, I knew what I was doing. And um, I think when they trusted that I was making the decision that was best for me and they were willing to learn and be open to the mindset that I had and the place that I was in and why I needed that help, they were definitely more open. And I think for me, that was all like none of my friends, and this is what I'm grateful for. None of my friends acted differently around me at all. They weren't like, they didn't, it didn't change who I was to them. Mm-hmm. It just opened that conversation and they just better understood when I was going through something because I could say, oh, the reason I am acting the way I am today, the reason I'm more shut off today, the reason I'm more irritable today is because of so and so and they would be like okay cool we can manage that so it's just kind of like just being open again i think that's kind of all you can do in a lot of cases is just be open to listening and learning and be there if they need you in the best way that you i have actually a pretty embarrassing story um a friend once when i wasn't really well informed on mental illness and stuff like in college like pretty early on they were expressing like how they always like pretty much that they were expressing that they were very anxious all the time and had a lot of anxiety around people and that all their friends were just fake and that 
they're not really there for them. And then, you know, that they felt very alone and we were eating pizza together. And I was like, you know, you don't believe that in me. Like, I like, you know, you know, I'm here for you. He's like, no, but I feel like even when you say those words that that's a lie, like, it's just how I feel. And I kind of was like pushing back and I was saying like, but really though, like, why do you think I'm here with you having pizza right now? Um, it's because you wanted to talk and I wanted to be here for you. Um, and I like didn't really, I wasn't listening as well back then. I always kind of felt bad about that situation. I kind of like looked back on it. And I was like, oh man, I didn't really listen enough or take his, what he was confiding in me. I wasn't, I wasn't listening. I was just trying to say like, hey, you know, you're okay when I'm here. But that's exactly what he was feeling. He's like, no, I'm not okay. And people aren't really here for me. And I'm not sure. And you know, trying to figure that part out and that was just kind of something I wish I said better <laughs> but like for those friends who have confided in me something that I mean as someone who has not really who has not you know I'm not diagnosed with depression or anything like I always say this I always say you know do you write about what you're feeling emotionally what you're feeling because I know that helps me a lot like I journal quite often like once a month I guess that's not often enough but I journal pretty pretty regularly and um I, I remember reading a study that showed that if you write for 15 minutes each day you can improve mental health um you know you can improve mental health for children for adults it's but it has to be through like expressive writing like emotional writing jotting down what you think and feel pretty much giving like a pen to your heart kind of thing i always thought that writing was a good solution to try to implement because you're, what's what happens is like you putting you have all these thoughts in your head or feelings but how can you really know what you to think if you until you can like put it to words until you can see what you can say so that's always something i've always tried to advise and i know you're a writer that probably helps you a lot too i've always wondered is that something that should be pushed more or if that even is something that's discussed in like therapy sessions i think people communicate their emotions differently right so for some people writing might help for some people art might help There's, like everyone has their own medium what i always tell people is that changing or like making improvements to your life to better cope with a mental illness is difficult work. Right. And the way that my psychiatrist kind of explained depression is that you're essentially walking around with weights tied to every limb. And I think that's a really good analogy because it basically just explains that everything is harder and it requires more energy for a lot of people who have mental illnesses. And self-care and improving your state of mind is not all bubble baths and, and you know, scented candles and all of, and twinkle lights. It's for people to get into. Like, all of the things that have been scientifically proven to improve states of mind are very difficult to incorporate into a daily routine especially if you have a mental illness like depression or anxiety where everything requires more effort and so things like meditation exercise eating clean those are all things that scientifically from what i understand can actually be more effective than medication for some people and they're still very difficult um, and it's tough I never tell people what to do 
Like, I'm never like, oh, like, you should try this and this and this. And like, maybe these things will help. I might talk about what has helped me. But I'm also very honest about the fact that it is very difficult. And I don't do all the things that I know I should do all the time. And I make very bad decisions for my mental health sometimes because I'll be exhausted. And right. that's just, you really have to be kind to yourself. And it, it takes a lot of self-discipline. And I think there isn't any one thing that you can do that will make a difference. I think it really is just slowly incorporating things and try to do things that, I don't know, maybe like start with things that just make life a little easier when you're going through it. So I try my best to understand the main things that exert a lot of energy when I'm going through an episode and see what things I can kind of step away from a little. So if cooking exerts a lot of energy, I'll eat out. And yeah, it costs more money or it can cost more money. It can be less healthy, but if it's something that I need to do to make less difficult for me that day, then so be it. Or I might eat, if I eat at home, I might not eat something that's super nutritious. I might eat something. <laughs> or I might not like eat something that's like an extravagant meal. I'll probably just have like rice and vegetables or something. And mm -hmm. like, you just kind of have to understand that, like, again, you have to be kind to yourself. And that's just, it's a process there's nothing you can do that'll like you know snap through your fingers and it'll all right go away. and you definitely have a point about like you know there's no one size fit all solution for everybody for some it might be writing for others it might be meditation for some it might be something else right and like i think even on the meditation branch as one of the avenues to pursue if you think about maybe something of the past then that you come more to terms with it easily in a quiet setting rather than trying to put words to paper because yeah. that might be too anxiety inducing in a sense too but i also think a really important part that i think we should try to you know a really a really important part is almost the permission to feel that way like i feel a lot of times because of culture or family or friends are like oh, you know i shouldn't feel this way i shouldn't feel depressed i shouldn't feel this but then if someone just says, hey, you're not okay, and that in and of itself is like, you know, like a relief because you're like, you're right, I am not okay. And I feel like, you know, I'm bound by this structure to not feel this way, but that's how I am and I don't want to share it with anybody. But a really important part that I think is really important to this whole melt the the idea of mental health is having those friends, those family, those loved ones being there and giving them permission, not permission, but like the ability to talk about it rather than it staying up inside their bodies and their hearts and their minds for so long, you know? Mm -hmm. So recognizing when someone's not okay and being comfortable and asking and when they do confront them, like, oh no, I'm fine. But be like, no, you're not. Like, are you like, what's really going on kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I think is really, really important because I think that's what's new about living in the 2000s, right? Uh, living in the 21st century is like people are more cons are are being more people oriented and being concerned for others rather than yes everyone focuses on themselves but now i would argue people are more focusing on others and how to help others for those that they love and those that they've never even met i think it like even if for someone who has gone through a mental illness or someone who has not if you know somebody who you think might be struggling with one or who, who already is struggling with one be there <laughs> yeah ask about it like that helps so much, I would I would think. And yeah. um, I mean, now I think we can pivot into like, how would this work with dating? 
right? So I have people I know with mental illnesses who are really, really nervous about dating because they're like, I want to show myself to this person that I like and I'm nervous about investing in them. And if I tell them, then they're not going to like me anymore or, you know, I'm anxious about this or what if they find out I'm on this or not, you know, there's just like, most of it is anxiety, no matter what form of mental illness it is. It's like, if I share this with this person, I'm afraid they're going to leave. I feel like that's a common thread. When I got diagnosed, I told myself that I couldn't date anymore. Well, I hadn't dated at that point. but <laughs> <laughs> So it wasn't even dating anymore. It was just not dating at all. Um, but yeah, no, I told myself that I couldn't date because because I thought that I'd be too much for people to be romantically involved with and that it wouldn't be fair to someone that I cared about to have to deal with the burden. Not that it is a burden, but this is like kind of, you have to understand that my mental state, especially around then before I had been on medication or anything, was like a very dark place. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it was mainly just like, I didn't want anyone that I could potentially care about to deal with the responsibilities that can come with being romantically involved and being seriously committed to someone with a mental illness. Because it can be a little more difficult. You're with someone who does not, especially if like you do not have a mental illness and you are seriously committed to someone who does, their perception of reality is going to be so different. And especially if that person has anxiety, no matter how much you tell them you love them, no matter how much you tell them you'll be there for them, they will probably not believe you. Not because believe their you. anxiety yeah, right. will be like, oh no, like they're just saying this. and mm-hmm. Or they might not think that they deserve you. And it's just, it can be a very, a lot of it is coming from self-loathing, but it's difficult because... As an outsider, as someone who's not in their brain, you really can't control what they're going through. And you really can only make, hopefully make life a little easier and maybe get them out of their head a little bit. But they kind of have to improve on their own. You're right. That's a decision that they have to make themselves. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's easy at all. No. But it is, like, at the end of the day, you do have to put in that effort. Um, And I think... Like, as hard as it can be to have a mental illness, it is equally hard for people watching someone they love go through a mental illness. You're right. I was going to say, like, to your point of, like, oh, I'm not going to date anyone because I have a mental illness. And I was going to say, like, oh, well, like, if this person likes you and loves you, like, you know, they will be there for you. But even if that is true and they truly mean that, it might not be perceived that way. And that is a battle that the significant other let's say they can't fight that battle and for them like that it has to be the other person who has the mental illness to say like look i actually believe you kind of thing they can only help so much is 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 that accurate in saying yeah i mean i think you really have to come from patience as well like right no matter how many times that person questions and asks and you know is uncertain you really have to just solidify mm-hmm. that you are there um, no matter how many times they ask. and But I think it does require maturity and empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just like, I think that's, you know, that's just the way it is. Like you can't be immature or mm-hmm. inconsiderate and be in a relationship with someone who has a mental illness. You need to have that ability to have the emotional intelligence to understand and communicate effectively with your mm-hmm. partner. And that's something that 
is true for any relationship, but it can be especially it can be an especially significant part of a relationship with someone who has a mental illness because they might not they will be trying to communicate they might not communicate with the words that you would expect them to like right. you really have to be able to try to understand what's going on underneath a little bit more mm-hmm. and i think for me it was just kind of like i don't think like you might think you want you be comfortable with being with someone who has a mental illness and then be in the relationship and be like oh i'm not prepared to handle this Uh and at that point you either need to have the maturity to step up and be like okay i care about this person enough that i'll try to be there Uh or you need to like politely bow out and be like okay i thought i could handle this and i couldn't because i think not wanting to put in the work and not being capable of putting in the work can be more damaging than just you know Mm -hmm. owning up to that and recognizing that yeah Um, like you said i think the resilience and patience really does go a long way when you're in a relationship with someone like that. Yeah, and I think it's also important to say that if you have a mental illness, it does not mean that you are any less deserving of love. Yeah, that's very important we say that. Because I know a lot of people can prey on people dealing with mental illnesses because they think Mm. those people will be easier to take advantage of because they'll already be dealing with so much Mm -hmm, mm self-loathing um unfortunately for any of them i have way higher standards than i probably should but (laughs) i do want to make it very clear that you are deserving of love and of having someone who makes your life better and is committed to you and wants to be there for you and is committed to the partnership. I think just because you have a mental illness that it's like having a broken bone wouldn't make you any less deserving of being romantically involved with someone or being in a committed relationship and having a mental illness shouldn't make you any less deserving of that. How do you, how do you convince someone who feels that they don't deserve love because of where they are in their lives, whether it's a broken bone or a mental illness? Well, I think if you feel like that, you shouldn't be in a romantic relationship because you like, I'm, I've always been very careful about if I am ever in a spot where I am treating myself poorly Mm -hmm. and I'm going through that vicious cycle of self-loathing, I will not try to pursue or I mean I never try to pursue a relationship but I would especially (laughs) not try to pursue a relationship then also because that is probably when you're going to be looking for external validation the most and you will kind of latch on to anyone who gives that to you and so I think at least knowing me I feel like that's what would end up happening so for me I'm very much like if you really don't think very highly of yourself and you don't like you don't really love yourself yet that is a journey that is a separate journey altogether and you really need to lean on friends and family for that and if a romantic relationship comes along where they love you fully and deeply fine but i think at the very minimum be very cautious because people can tell when someone's very easy to convince (laughs) and people there are people who unfortunately will look for people to take advantage of romantically and so be very careful. Absolutely. What's some big takeaways I think from this conversation that we've had is like, if you are someone who is, or you know, someone who's struggling with mental illness, I think your role is more important than you think for twofold. One being like listening 
just listening and being there for that person. And two, when you recognize that they, someone might be experiencing a lot of emotional turmoil or anxiety or whatever the case may be, ask about it rather and give them the opportunity to let those feelings out rather than keeping them in. Um, now that's up to the person if they want to share with you or not. But I think by having that recognition is really important. For family, there are all these pressures and depending on where you grew up or where you're from, that might even contribute to uh, your mental illness or people you know with mental illnesses. But it's important, especially from a parent to a child, the expressing of love and support in addition to just simply just listening will really go far. For friends, similar, I would say very, very, very similar along the lines. And then for dating, it's, you know, patience, resilience, investment, exhaustion into oneself, um, and also giving yourself the freedom to love on both sides and that everyone in, in this world is deserving of love. And whether or not you feel that way, the time will eventually be right for you, even if it's not in this moment. And I think there's so much that can be learned from this subject of, and that people are learning about, like your friends are learning about, are being more aware of mental illnesses and reading up on it. And I think that's great. And I think we're taking strides in the right direction here. I think it's important to show people love in the way that they understand. Right. Um, exactly. Like kind of like the theory of love languages. I don't know if there would be just five, but I do try to make sure that with everyone I care about, I know what their love language is so that I know how to show them love in a way that would be most effective and translate the best for the kind of person they are. And that is something that I would tell everyone to do is understand how the other person prefers to be shown love and understands love and try to show love in that way. And I think one thing that helps with me is people I care about will try to relieve a lot of the stress. Like things that probably wouldn't stress other people out but might stress me out, they'll try to relieve that stress so that it's something that I don't have to worry about. And that definitely can make life a little easier. And it's something that I appreciate. And just like count, I think it's, and it's something that I struggle with all the time, but it is so important to just focus on the good. Like even just focus on being happy for the people that when my instinct is to be envious or resentful mm -hmm. and focus on the people I do have and how fortunate I am to have people in my life who love me and that's something that my therapist would say, too, is like you wouldn't have all of these friends and all of these people who care about you if you weren't a good person. Right. And right. that's something that you really have to remind yourself of. And I think for me, logic helps like someone logically like giving logical arguments that like <laughs> you base all of the arguments that I've created in my head because of a mental illness um that helps with me it won't mm -hmm. help with everyone obviously right. but i just respond well to logic so that does help but yeah that kind of goes back again to like just understanding how you need to communicate with that loved one and communicate in that way and maybe even how the individual copes whether it's writing meditation or food indulgences right and then also but don't enable bad behavior and that's something Correct, that I'm yeah. trying to get better at too where like I'm normally the kind of person where it's like everyone can make their own decisions and like I'm a little reserved about stepping in but I think it's something that I also need to get better at which is when you 
see someone coping in a way that is detrimental to their health, maybe slowly start. And that's a tough conversation. It's not a conversation, but at least you will have said something. And I think that can, at least it plants a seed. And like we mentioned, I think once before, if you're not in a relationship, sometimes your friends have more value than a relationship could ever give you at this point in your life. You know, they love you in a certain way and support you in a way that no one really could else could well i think any love is love yeah yeah but i mean i'm talking yeah you're right so i wouldn't even say that like i wouldn't try to make myself feel better about it by being like by using language like oh like friends are better anyway like i don't think i would do that i think i would just kind of look at it as love in any form is still love and you are allowed to feel upset about not being romantically involved with someone or not being friends with someone that you really wanted to be friends with and it just Mm -hmm. didn't work out or you know having to cut ties with people because they were not serving good in your life you are allowed to feel upset because that like life is like that sometimes and there are Mm -hmm. people that will leave and it'll hurt and but like you also have to like look at all the people who do love you and love is love like there isn't any one type of love that's going to be worth more than another type absolutely i think it's something that people get caught up in where it's like oh like this kind of love like this relationship is okay but like what really matters is whether you're actually like falling in love with someone or not and now it's really if anyone loves you that is so invaluable yeah and it doesn't matter what role it is as long as it is a role of love and positivity.